0: Thanks be to God. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Please do keep that open. We've we're, we're, uh, we're been continuing our series, as you well know, here in the last night of Jesus' life, the night before he went to the cross, this great night where Jesus taught his disciples what it meant to go out as a disciple, the way of discipleship. And we come uh, in this uh, chapter 17 to a prayer like no other. We're we're spending these last few weeks really honing in, zooming in, thinking about prayer. Uh, I really want to use these four weeks to raise the temperature on prayer in our church. How it is that we can be a praying people? And you'll know that I've been challenging you about what a privilege prayer is—a priceless. Privilege. You remember how I've been saying about that, that, you know, you, you, you couldn't sell your prayer life for anything. You wouldn't sell, sell your prayer life for anything. It is a priceless, priceless treasure. And in this uh, chapter in John 17, we, we come, if you like, if, if the upper room discourse, if this teaching of Jesus on the last night is like coming to the temple, John 17 is like coming to the Holy of Holies because we get to eavesdrop on Jesus' prayer to his father. We get to eavesdrop in on the Trinity. We get to eavesdrop in on Jesus' prayer uh, like no other. And uh, last week we saw he looked, began to look at uh, uh, praying for uh, himself and uh, what God was doing. And uh, this week, particularly, we're looking at how Jesus prays for disciples. And he's teaching us. Where The whole point of coming in here is is so that we can learn. So if you just go to the next slide, thanks. We've got uh, the opportunity this morning to learn to pray. I wonder if you know how to pray. Uh, One of the things about raising the temperature in prayer, it's all very well to say, well, we should pray, but what do you pray and how do you pray? Well, I'm hoping that you will learn to pray by watching Jesus. Uh, H.B. Taylor says this in his this great quote, prayer is arguably the most objective measurement of our dependence on God. The things you pray about are the things you trust God to handle, the things you neglect to pray about are the things you can handle on your own. And I think God has been challenging me to go more deeply in prayer to him in everything that we do. In fact, uh, one of the things we've been really working on, particularly since COVID, is, and, and just reminded how precious fellowship is, is how important it is that we, we gather to pray uh, in all that we do. So how great it was to watch our Connect teams praying here half an hour before church, praying together, that God would gather his people and connect us in that, to, to know that the, uh, our service teams are praying together before the service, not just for what they're doing, but for us as we come that newcomers would come, that God would be honoured and glorified in all we do. And how encouraging it was, uh, the other week we had our monthly prayer meeting and we had a good group of people here. Um, Obviously, I I want to have so many people here at our prayer meetings, of course, that we have to turn people away because we've reached our COVID maximum. Uh, Because I think uh, that it's it's when we gather to pray, you really see what's on the heart of people. And, and And if HB Charles is right, and I think he is, It's the things that you pray about that you are trusting God to handle. And I think we don't pray because we're not really looking at the world through God's eyes. But by watching Jesus and learning from Jesus, we get to see how it is we should pray. I hate those kind of insipid prayers that you sometimes get. And I think it's just because people haven't learned how to pray. Um, And they're really just sort of sharing news. Maybe you're sharing prayer points in a Bible study or something like that. And they're kind of just updating you on what's happened in their week. They're not really calling on God. They haven't really grasped that there are 17,000 people living in East Linfield and Kalara and we want them to know Jesus. Uh, and they're asking you to pray. They might say, oh, you know, pray for my, my kids who've got exams or something. It's oh, fine. My son Ben's doing HSC. Please do pray. We do need all the help we can get. Um, but, you know, don't just pray that for Ben. Actually, I, I, I really don't really mind if you pray that. I don't care about if you praying that what I actually would love you to pray about is for him that he would know and love God and serve him in his life isn't that a better prayer to pray Uh, you know I think sometimes our prayers are so down here and we need to lift them so I hope that by lifting the temperature of our prayers we're going to be praying big prayers and not just the everyday you know God give me a car park spot or whatever it is that we we have or help my help my child is doing this that or the other as as lovely as that is we want, to, we want to deepen our faith, our fellowship and our prayer and really bring before God the things we know we can't handle. And I think so often we are so comfortable in this world. But if a global pandemic doesn't wake us up to the need to pray every day, if we, don't, if we can't see what's happening in India and other places in the world and our deep need to pray for God, to God to absolutely save us and transform us and keep us, then we've, we're not seeing what God is doing if we don't see the need for reconciliation in this country and to pray for that, if we don't see the domestic violence that is so common in our community and need to pray for that, if we don't have a heart for the lost, then we haven't seen this. So I'm hoping that God is challenging you, just like he's challenging me, to go much deeper in prayer. I hope you're challenged in that. I hope so. All right, well, have a look at uh, this next slide. I I just want to show you ways that we're practically trying to put in place to keep the temperature up on prayer one of the reasons we're doing this each week to collect the prayers is not just uh it's so that we as a ministry team can pray for you so we can pray well for you and that helps our ministry team to be focused on prayer and depending on God to change things not just on our how clever we are and you know all those kind of things we want to pray that God would work in your life But I also hope that it helps you to come before God in prayer and to share answers for prayer each week. I hope that the discipline of doing that week by week really does encourage you and help your prayer life. And I want you to be able to do that so that you not only so you can pray, but so you can teach your children to pray. And you can continue to pray day in and day out, that you'll you'll be so wanting to pray to God that, that we will be filling up our prayer meeting each month that you'll be looking at the partnership and you'll be thinking, the wardens and the parish, we've been working really hard behind the scenes, trying to think about how we can grow and develop our partnership. And we covet your prayers, because there's so much to do, and it is a big job and a big responsibility. We're working through that with the parish council in coming weeks. Then we're looking forward to working through that with the congregations and getting your feedback and and consultation through all of that. And that's taking longer than we, we think, but we're happy because we're trusting that God is in control of that. And we want to take the time to do it really well. Keep praying for all of those things. That little, you know, that, see that little diagram of what we're trying to do. We, we want to pray that God would be glorified in all we do as a church, that we'd be connecting to one another and newcomers, that we'd be growing in faith, that we'd be seeking to serve him and be trained up for that and to share and to go out with the gospel. Those things will help to guide your prayers. As I said before in the notices about life, be praying for that we've got we've got things in place to help guide our prayers don't we and so I want to encourage to ask you that question what are you praying for well let's look at what Jesus has been teaching us so we saw last week uh, I didn't get to preach here I preached over at St Martin's but I think Moose said pretty much what I was saying if not you know watch the YouTube over at St Martin's you can you can check check how he went no, it was good. I watched it. <laughs> this is my, these were my points last week, and, and Mus was actually very similar. We saw last week Jesus, as we, as we listened in on Jesus' prayer to his father about what was he praying about. He was praying about the glorious hour, that God would be glorified at this moment, at this time, as Jesus comes to the cross, and he's praying for eternal life for his people. And what did we learn? Some of the things that, uh, if you go to the next slide, was we, we learned to pray for what's most important. We're praying for God to be glorified. We're, we're, we're looking to turn the promises of God into prayers and to pray something which is real and honest. That's what I learned as I was watching Jesus' prayers last week. And that challenged my prayers as I prayed this week. And I wonder if we had a microphone and could listen into what you prayed for this week, and we we're able to play it through the speakers here. And, and well done again to Moose and the Wardens uh, for uh, the big upgrades on our AV uh, equipment and the, the sound team. Excellent work. It's great to see God doing those things. If we could play that through, it would be quite embarrassing, uh, wouldn't it, to hear for everyone to hear our prayers, and perhaps our own selfishness, but when we listen into Jesus' prayers. This is what we see, isn't it? We're praying for what's most important, turning the promises of God into prayers, praying something that's just real and honest. So today, as, uh, as we listen into Jesus praying for his disciples, what do we see? Well, two things, really. He's, he prays God, keep them, and God, sanctify them. Now, the first prayer, God, keep them, is a bit like that psalm that we read, and uh, psalms are a wonderful way to pray. If you don't know what to pray for, read a psalm and just pray the psalm. Uh, it's, it's a great way to go. He prays for his uh, 11 apostles uh, as they go out that God would keep them and guard them. Now, this is not the middle class kind of prayer um, that I was talking about that you sometimes get when you in, in your Bible study group, you know, Father, life's a bit tough. We just guarantee everything goes well. That'd be nice. Please, Lord, please watch over and keep my children happy. Keep them safe. Keep them well. That sort of insipid middle-class prayer. Jesus doesn't pray that. We know that because 10 out of the 11 who are going to go out as his apostles to the world are going to be martyred for their faith. And if so, Jesus was praying, if he was praying that they would avoid suffering and that everything would be nice for them in their life, God obviously didn't hear or answer the prayer very well, did he? No, that's not what Jesus was praying. Jesus prays that, that his father would keep them one, keep them unified in faith, in salvation, that he would look after their souls. That's what he's praying for. Just, I just want to show you there. Have a look at verse 11. I'll remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. No one has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. And then verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one what a great prayer for us to pray for one another for our families for our church the second thing he prays is the flip side of that really it's in verse 17 God sanctify them Sanctify them, verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. For, uh, for them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, that's a kind of a, uh, a word that we don't use that often. Sanctified. you know what it means? It means to set apart. And when God makes something holy, when it's special, it's set apart. You know, Musa's got six guitars, but he's got his one, which is the really special one, the set-apart one. Billy, you are not allowed to touch that guitar, okay? It's been set apart for a purpose and uh, uh, to be sanctified. And it sort of has these two meanings, is, is what God is doing in, our, in us. Now, when you're a Christian, when you put your faith in Christ, the moment you do that, you are made right with God. You are justified, is, is, the, is the word, and... You're okay with God. And from that moment on, God is making you holy. He is making you more and more like Jesus. He is sanctifying you. There's a process that God is working in your life called sanctification. Now, of course, when God looks at you, when because you're justified by what Jesus has done, when God looks at you, he sees you as holy because you have everything that Jesus has when you become a Christian from that moment. So in one sense, you have been sanctified, you are being sanctified and you will be sanctified. On the day that Jesus returns you, come home to heaven, you will be like Jesus. That's a great promise. And I'm glad that God is working that in my life because I need it more than anything else. Past, present and future, God is sanctifying us. But what does Jesus mean here in this prayer specifically? Jesus prays, Father, sanctify them. I want to suggest Jesus is praying for that kind of positional sanctification of the apostles. He's asking the Father to put them in the place, uh, which is the world, to set them apart in the world where they will be most useful for God's mission and plan. So, the prayer of keep them, protect them, and sanctify them works like this. What's Jesus praying for his disciples? And if this is all you hear this morning. This, uh, I think, is all you need to remember is what Jesus is saying Father, protect them from a thousand spiritual dangers and sanctify them from one, for one great priority. Keep them, protect them from all the things that are going to be obstacles for them to do that one thing that you've set them apart for. We are so limited, but when God works on somebody, he can control the circumstances. He is in control. He deals with the externals and the internals. He deals with the situations. He deals with our desires. This is a great prayer, friends, for us to pray because God can take a person who is young or God can take a person who is old and he can work in them so that they know Jesus So they can love Christ and let that spill out into every part of their life. But Jesus knows, and this is why it's such a great prayer, that God can keep them from a thousand dangers and set them apart for that one great priority. So how's this going to happen? What's the application? What's the take-home from today? Well, when you go home to pray... Or maybe when you finish filling in your prayer points, say, maybe there's things that God's laying on your heart. How's this going to happen? Well, the first thing is you need to notice in verse 17, it's got to happen by the word of God. Verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus says that we need the word of God. You'll notice that our services are, are, are saturated in the Word of God. Uh, we encourage you to read the Bibles with your kids. We did that a few weeks ago, we didn't, didn't we with Alex. We encourage you to, to read the Bibles your Bible each day, so you'll know what to pray and how to live. And uh, I know there's a bunch of you that do the daily devotions or have your own Bible reading plans. Jesus says we need the Word. We need to know that we are sent into the world as His disciples. Because that's what God has set disciples apart for. You see, that's the second thing, isn't it? Being sent. Being sent into the world. I don't know, when you're at school, if you were, you were that kid who uh, was always the last one to get picked on the team. <laughs> there was always that kid who was really good at sport or whatever, or was really popular. They always got picked first on the team, didn't they? Well, when you're a Christian, Jesus says in John 17, you have been chosen out of the world. You've been picked on the team. We need to remind ourselves that again and again, I find it hard to believe that I'm a chosen person. And, you know, we're picking when I think I don't deserve to be chosen, God. Why would you choose me? I'm a chosen person because he chose me by his grace. And if you're a Christian here today, you're a chosen person. You're on God's team. You've put your faith in Jesus because of his grace. And God has chosen to leave us in the world. When you become a Christian, God doesn't just suddenly bring you up into heaven. God puts you into the world for a very great purpose. And so when you ask that question, why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? That's not really the question. The question is, since I am here, and I've been chosen on God's team, how can I be most useful to God? And maybe that's a good prayer to ask. How can I be most useful to you, God? When circumstances in your life change and, you know, kids are all going to school, maybe you've got the chance to come and join our awesome scripture team. Or uh, work with, uh, with Talia and Alex with the, the playtime group. Maybe you're ready to go more deeply into God's word and you want to pick up some PTC subjects uh, through more college so that you can lead a growth group and be trained to do that. Maybe you thought we really need a bass guitar at church and you're going to take that up. How can I be most useful to God? We are, of course, aliens to the world. And if you're anything like me, it's so easy to get caught up in everything else the world is doing and all the other things that everyone else is doing in the world. But we've got to have a different outlook on the world. We've got to see that Christ is central to the world. See, the world sees yourself as central. But but Jesus is saying, God is central, and we've been sent into the world. There's a little uh, quote I heard. Christians have been called out of the world to be in the world, not of the world, but to go into the world. Out of the world, in the world, not of the world, into the world. That's how we're to think of ourselves. And there's nothing better for us to do than to use our time well, We've got such a short span to serve God on this earth before we go to be with him for eternity. And I want to challenge you to pray like this. Because if you're praying and you're planning and you're giving, has got nothing to do with the gospel. This is a pulse check. Something's wrong. Learn from Jesus here. Learn finally that you need Jesus more than anything. We need him because he could sanctify himself but he has sanctified us. He is what gives us our eternal security. Did you notice that? Verse 19, for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. He's going to the cross so that we can be sanctified. And one of the great dangers for us is we have a sort of a shallow view of sin. And so we have a shallow view of the rescue that God went through. But this, this night shows you the depth of what it was for Jesus to go to the cross for you and me. That's why John 17, verse 19, is so helpful to see Jesus committing himself. He gives everything to save seriously sinful people like you and me. And so I pray that you won't lose the value of this prayer, that you and I might pray as Jesus prayed for the disciples, that God would keep them And sanctify them that you and I would pray that God would keep us from those thousand spiritual dangers and set us apart for that one great priority of knowing Jesus and serving him there's nothing to rival a prayer like that because everything flows from that amen